0: Locked on Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked on Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into whatever listening device you use, be it iPhone or iPod or something that it doesn't have the corporate stink of Apple all over it. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. And we are back on this Doubleheader Thursday edition of the podcast. This is making up for Canada Day when I was in the woods and nowhere near a computer to record things with. If it helps, I got lit up by mosquitoes, so I, I suffered away from the mic. So take solace in that. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic. I, I said this was a Doubleheader episode, and there's a very good reason for that. I have with me a someone someone who I've been looking forward to talking to really since joining locked on and and it only expanded with uh, I see what I did there it It only grew with the news that they were striking out on their own and building their own website, so I am pleased to welcome the founder editor in chief of expanded roster, and a Locked On Cubs writer, Kelly Wallace, joins me on the program today. Hi, Kelly. Hello, Blue Jays fans. It's nice to meet you for the first time. Uh, I hear that you're
1: just as neurotic as Cubs fans, so I feel at home already.
0: Oh, it is It is a natural, natural line to draw between the Cubs and the Blue Jays. But hey, at least you guys have a ring recently. You get to lord that over over us poor blue jays fans who have to watch the Yankees and Red Sox come back again, which uh it, i i I think I know how you feel when watching the cardinals but but that brief that brief period of time when the Yankees and Red Sox were both terrible i I miss those already.
1: I think there are a lot of people in the baseball fandom who would be comfortable seeing the Yankees
0: and the Red Sox uh, get taken down a peg once again. Oh, yeah. We we may have to wait for our chance. And I'm, we'll actually get into that in the second half of the podcast, drawing more parallels between the two fan bases. But I wanted to start with the main reason why I asked you on, Kelly, and that is this expanded roster project that you have started. Uh, it, the Kickstarter ended yesterday, but you reached your goal with, with money to spare. Um, first, first of all, tell me how this idea came about. I know it started with a tweet that you had before, but, but uh, can you elaborate more on, on what made, made you want to create this site?
1: Sure. Um, well, yeah, it did start with a tweet. Um, just I had been having conversations with a lot of friends of mine prior to that tweet about uh, about how it feels like a lot of sports media is sort of dominated by the same five or six voices or five or six outlets. And if you look at, you know, the makeup of the kind of person who ends up Uh, In those positions as beat writers. I notice it, especially with the Cubs, but it's true everywhere, really. Um, It feels like there's a lot of people who aren't really getting a chance to write about sports or to talk about sports. And I mean, based only on even just the people that I know, it's a massive injustice because there's so much talent out there that is just waiting for an opportunity. So, I mean, that was sort of the driving force behind it was wow, there's so much out there and these people aren't getting a chance. How can we give them a chance? How can we create a space where more people can have a voice in sports and where more people can feel welcome in sports? Because while a lot of people, um, there's obviously a lot of pushback and a lot of negativity, specifically a lot of the time towards women in sports. Towards LGBT people in sports especially people a lot against trans people in sports and you're doing yourself a disservice because those are a huge part of the audience for sports those are huge bands and those are incredibly talented people who should be able to contribute just as much as anybody
0: else that is a beautiful sentiment and one I entirely support one hundred percent I full full disclosure I am a backer of this project I did I did give oh, well thank you. I did give my $25 American which 33 Canadian. So, <laughs> I a little bit, a little bit more, I think in in the effort there getting getting the extra money through. But no, I I entirely agree with the mission statement that it it's it's important for other people to have have that kind of outlet for sports. And it, especially coming off the heels of of MLB's Pride Month when you had all these players um, wearing the rainbow and, and inviting members of the LGBTQ community to, to come and experience the game. Um, I, wa- I want to thank you for, for bringing this to life. And, and again, it's it's a unique way because I, I personally, I've never contributed to a Kickstarter before. I was wondering why you made the decision to go that route to, to try and, and get support for this site.
1: We always had investors going into the Kickstarter. I had a a little bit of money going in uh, to get things off the ground, obviously, as uh, evidenced by the fact that when we came to the Kickstarter, we had already done a lot of the work as far as branding and um, building up the website and things like that. Um, But the reason we went to Kickstarter is because, well, first of all, any project like this is incredibly expensive, Uh, more expensive probably than most people even realize. Uh, There's just so many small expenses that come up. Um, So we obviously, we did need the funding, but in addition to that, it was a really great way to measure, first of all, is there enough support for this in the baseball community to sustain it as an idea and as a website? And second of all, it allows the baseball community to become involved in what we're doing and to become a part of what we're doing. And that's really important to me too, because we don't want to feel like we're lecturing at people or trying to fix things or trying to come in and change baseball. Like we want to show that this is something the fans want, the fans need, and that is out there, people out there who support it. So it's helped us create a bond with our audience before we even launch, which I think is fantastic.
0: Mm yeah i i agree i i i'm again i'm excited to look look well when the site is fully up and running and and you do get the content starting to flow you've already previewed some of the content actually online if you if you wouldn't mind recapping for listeners who are unaware of of some of the stuff you have coming on expanded roster
1: yeah Absolutely. Um, so we have a lot of content that is, um, is already confirmed. Uh, we, I, the biggest thing is probably that I just got back from, um, Mexico, Mm -hmm. um, to spend the week covering, uh, Leo Mexicana, which is the major league, uh, in Mexico. It's essentially the equivalent of a triple A affiliate, um, in the way that minor league baseball treats it. Uh, And we got to go to their championship game, and then we got to go to the All-Star game the following day. Um, We got to talk to a lot of the guys. We got to see brand-new baseball in a way that I think people will be very excited to hear about because it is very different than American baseball um, in a lot of ways. So that's something we really wanted to explore, and I think people will find really interesting. Uh, I also just got finished doing an interview with Steve Fischak, who's one of my favorite relief pitchers in all of baseball, but he's very important to us primarily because of his devotion to wearing high socks on the field, which is an aesthetic that we both love and support and have decided to make a very small part of our brand.
0: Um,
1: So that was great. Uh, We have some great columnists who are going to be doing work for us, Um, anyone who's on baseball Twitter a lot. I'm sure has heard of Brittany De La Cretas. I'm sure has heard of Stacey May Fowles. Um, I mean, these are all top quality authors with bylines at some of the most incredible sports magazines that exist. Um, so we feel very lucky that people like that have seen our idea, have believe in our project to the point that they want to come work for us. So, yeah. I mean, those are some of the things that I'm most excited about going in. We do have uh, some other projects we're working on that we're not ready to announce. Just yet, but you can look forward to, I think, some more big announcements from us in the next week or two.
0: Awesome, and and Blue Jays fans very familiar with Stacey May Fowles' work on, on Twitter. Yeah, so. I was going
1: to say, I do feel like she is very <laughs> uh, relevant to your
0: specific audience. Yeah, very, very much so. She she is definitely one of the voices that that represents us the best across all outlets. So excited to see her work from her. I, I I'll actually. Uh, let's talk about your Mexican league experience right after this break. So again, we're back talking with Kelly Wallace of expanded roster and locked on Cubs. Um, Kelly, you mentioned before the break that you got to spend some time in Mexico covering Liga Mexicana, covering their championship and their all-star game. Heading down there to Mexico, what what was your initial takeaway just being in that kind of atmosphere, as opposed to you know going to Wrigley to see a game, what what were some of the main differences?
1: Um, well, I think one of the one of the main differences with how um, with how Wrigley is currently, and with how baseball is currently, is that first of all in Mexico everyone can afford to go. Um, the prices are incredibly cheap to go to, um, at least to go to the stadium I was at in Yucatan, um, which makes a huge difference in terms of the c- people who go at baseball is really baked into the culture there it's a thing that everybody loves and not only that it's a thing that everyone can afford to take part in which is not always the case here in america and especially with a, a high market high uh, high market team like the cubs mm. um so that was very different to me uh but it really is just um it's just a joy that's present and sort of in irreverence, um or at least a lack of strict adherence to a lot of the traditionalism that you'll find in Major League Baseball. Um, they're not really afraid to to be silly or to to, to make it about fun. Um, and I think that's something that American baseball could really use more of, especially as they sort of engage in this sort of ongoing quest to, to reach younger fans and to bring in a bigger audience. Uh, I know pace of play is sort of the common refrain, but uh, really <laughs> – I think that making the games more fun and getting people more interested in the personalities and in their favorite players is a much better way to engage and build your audience than worrying about a pitch clock.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. There, there are definitely better ways to do that than trying to manage a, a few minutes that the Yankees and Red Sox will totally ignore anyway. But <laughs> well, actually on Twitter, you said there were, there were like 10 things that MLB could learn from from Mexican baseball there are a hundred uh, I, I undersold it oh no um <laughs> but <laughs> but but yeah especially with with the all-star game coming up for MLB and it, it kind of being blonde like we're not even sure Bryce Harper is going to be in the home home run derby and all that i I was interested in what in some of these things you thought MLB could learn from liga mexicana to try to improve that that presentation I know you were very excited about the fireworks that displays that they had in, in the I Yucatan. Was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was very excited. The thing is, it feels more like an event uh, a little bit. I mean, not that the all-star game doesn't, but, but it's more than a baseball event, I guess, in the way that it's presented. I mean, it, it opened with um, a great celebration, um, Yucatan culture with some traditional dancing uh, and a lot of, celebration that was brought in from the local community. Uh, then there was a concert featuring a pretty, pretty well-known local band. And then you had the fireworks display. And this is all before the game even started. Um, yeah. So when you go, it feels more like a full experience. Um, and I think that's really valuable because it becomes not just, you know, a baseball game, but it's a night out and it's for everyone. It's not just for baseball fans. So mm-hmm. I think that was really cool, the way that they do that. Um, and also, I mean, it was really all the, the biggest stars there. Um, I, I don't think there was any question about whether or not certain people would play or compete. It, it was really the best of the best from all the different teams um, in Liga Mexicana, which was really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, um, um, I'm Actually, I'm, I'm curious. Could you highlight a couple of the, of the stars of, of that All-Star game or the championship series that you feel uh, American or Canadian fans should know about?
1: Um, you know, when it comes to stars, theres I mean, there's so many, um, but what I would say um, more than anything else is that this whole weekend was about really uh, Los Leones uh, de Yucatan, which is uh, the team that won the championship this year. They had a championship drought going for a little while. So as a Cubs fan, I do appreciate the importance of finally winning a championship again after waiting a while for it. But, Um, they had by far the most players on the all-star team. It's just been really a record year for them across the board. Um, And that was really, I think, the feeling that everyone had, especially since, again, this was their stadium. So it was essentially a home game for the championship and playing the all-star game in their home stadium. So the crowd was really, I think, invested in cheering on the Leones.
0: So, Kelly, you brought up the Cubs, Un unannounced, un unforced. You brought. So I think we should <laughs> we should get a little bit of Cubs talk in in with you. The Brewers have all of a sudden come come flying up and and charging for the Cubs' crown. And I know you said earlier today on Twitter this, that this year may just be that blip in the Cubs' championship window when they when just things don't seem to be going right. I I wondered if you could elaborate on that. Do you do you think the Cubs can still make a run at it this year, or or should they be kind of holding back and waiting for 2019?
1: Um, I don't think I'm at the point yet where I'd say wait, uh, hold back. I don't think I don't think the division is out of reach. Uh, I should clarify what I mean when I say that is that this year has brought a lot of bad fortune and a lot of things that I think. Cubs fans and the Cubs themselves really didn't anticipate being problematic. Mm. Uh, and I, I think you can see that if you look at the preseason coverage, talking about how our rotation, for example, was going to be one of the best in the NL, certainly one of the best in all of baseball. And on paper, that looked absolutely true. Um, I don't think you can argue with the idea of Lester, Hendricks, Darvish, Quintana, and even Chatwood, despite his struggles, is still one of the better number fives in Major League Baseball, if you actually look at his numbers outside of the walk rate, which is obviously astronomical. Um, So I think that the problem is now when you look at it, the rotation has actually the biggest hindrances uh, throughout the year so far. Um, Chatwood has obviously had a lot of struggles with his command. Uh, That's forced us into a lot of tight spots, has forced the bullpen and a lot of tight. last year was gassing the bullpen before the all-star break and then having not much to work with going into the second half you have Yves who hasn't pit him in I think May 20th was his last start for the Cubs and the, the injury timeline still seems very uncertain uh, which puts the Cubs again in a tough position about trying to decide where to add at the trade deadline because there's no real guarantee of whether when and when when and how healthy you darvish will be um so that's concerning honestly and when you look on the other side of things at the offense um things are starting to look up there were a lot of guys who were slumping in sort of bizarre ways at the beginning of the year uh like wilson Contreras, who's always been a power hitter seemed to be really struggling and finding that the same kind of pop with his bat which seems to be uh, fixing itself now, but again, we had uh, Anthony Rizzo on the DL. You had Jason Hayward on the DL. You had Chris Bryan out for a possible concussion earlier in the year, and now is on the DL again, uh, I believe going on his 12th day on the DL now. Um, so, and, you know, then again, you have to remember that also in our rotation right now is Mike Montgomery, who's a spot starter essentially, and mostly for time of year. So when you look at really – just the events of what's happened to the team, it does feel like there's a lot of bad luck. And the other problem is, like you said, the Brewers got off to an incredibly hot start. I mean, they banked a lot of wins in April and in May. Mm. And uh, this happened also last year. Obviously, we didn't catch the Brewers until after the All-Star break. But this Brewers team is, to my mind, a lot better than Mm. last year's Brewers team. Um, And that's scary. It definitely is scary when you look at the trade deadline and you look at what's available and the fact that they could potentially add really big pieces if they want to.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I I will say first, Blue Jays fans empathize with having a rotation that looked really good on paper, but then in practice turned out to be kind of bad. Which, which I I think the
1: best case scenario is that it's a dogfight until August, and I think the worst case scenario is that uh, the Brewers do end up taking the division. But I, I would say, you know, it, even still, we're in a good position to make it to the wild cards. But the problem is the wild cards one and done. Mm. So anything can happen. There's no guarantee of a win there. I would say you could argue the better team, who's the quote unquote better team doesn't really matter
0: at that point. No, for, first, just let me say, Blue Jays fans can definitely empathize with having what looked to be a really good starting rotation on paper and then going into the season and having it turn out to be flaming hot garbage. So we are very, <laughs> very similar there. Don't mention Jaime Garcia's name to us ever again. But, I don't, who's that? I don't, <laughs> I have no idea. I've
1: never heard of that person. Yeah. I won't mention
0: the name ever. Uh, uh, I think he had <laughs> I'm a, a cup of coffee with the Cardinals. I think. Maybe. I, I don't know. I thought he just emerged from the ether to from, from, from an alternate universe where cricket was the main sport instead of baseball. And he just kept throwing balls in the dirt. And we were wondering what the <laughs> heck was going on. Like there's, there's a Canadian tire commercial going around <laughs> where, where, um where an Indian kid comes in and, and bats with the local, local kids using his cricket stance. And he, golfs it out of the park and it's great i'm like yeah that works great for batting it doesn't work for pitching just just can we we not (laughs) not have that jaime maybe he uh, saw the commercial and got the wrong message (laughs) (laughs) oh he he transcends the commercial (laughs) he's uh (laughs) but but no um you mentioned how the brewers were now in a position to kind of add at the deadline and they are one of the main players for jay hap Who's the Blue Jays biggest trade piece that isn't injured? Because that, <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's our bad luck, that all the pieces we want to get rid of get injured before we can get rid of them. So That is bad luck. Yeah. I do you see the Cubs trying to make a move at the deadline to try and try and shore up um the the pitching, I I guess is a bigger concern as opposed to the batting or
1: um, I would say that there were people who were concerned about, about the uh, adding a bat um, earlier on. I w- I've always been a huge advocate for the Manny Machado rental. And it's not, for the record, let me just put out there, it's not logical. Please don't yell at me, Cubs Twitter. I understand <laughs> that it's probably ultimately a bad idea and that he's a negative, he's worth negative runs defensively. I understand you've all been yelling at me on Twitter about it forever. Still want him. I don't care. Uh, But I would agree that the the pitching is a much bigger need than the bat. Um, If we were going to look for a bat, uh, for the record, I am a big fan of Whit Merrifield on the Royals. Uh, I think he's consistent. He's an RBI guy. He's never going to hit a ton of home runs, but he steals a ton of bases. He gets on base a lot. Uh, So that's the kind of guy, if you were thinking about a bat for the Cubs, that I would really be thinking about. Uh, but no, I do think the pitching is the bigger need. I think any contending team needs to look to add good relievers at the deadline, but um, the starting pitching does become a concern and it becomes a conversation. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure the front office knows a lot more about you Darvish than we do um, what his timeline is and whether or not how realistic it is that he's going to contribute in the near future. Um, but I would say if that, if the timeline for you Darvish pushes him out of commission, uh, for much longer. I mean, you do have to think about adding a starter, even just because of that. Um, and obviously you do have the ongoing problems with Chatwood uh, mm. that probably could use uh, a backup to cover there if things don't start to improve.
0: Can we interest you in a slightly injured Marco Estrada?
1: I don't think you can, no. <laughs> the pro- but then again, the problem becomes that the Cubs don't really have the farm to Mm -hmm. trade for a top line starter and the brewers really are in a better position that way so are the yankees uh so are the dodgers i mean you know there are a lot of teams out there that are probably looking correctly for starting pitching that have a lot more that they can bring to the table um whereas if the cubs wanted to do that they probably would have to dig into the major league roster and i know that there's a lot of reluctance to do that just because Joe Madden is so in favor of positional versatility and mm-hmm. any of the guys who would be potentially traded would be an incredibly
0: versatile piece um, that can probably play two, three or four positions. So, yeah, yeah, we don't have many of those. We're, make, we're trying to make <laughs> one. We're- like,
1: yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you look, I think like an Ian Happ is probably the most likely to be moved when you look at people in the major league roster. And I mean, that's a guy who's played second, who plays all over in the outfield, who's covered at third base when Chris Bryant's not around. I, I mean, he's just a guy who can do a lot on the field, He's a switch hitter, got good power for being his age, a lot of team control on his contract. I think you look at who, have, who might have a lot of value to certain teams.
0: Yeah. Um, just uh, one one final thing, and it, it kind of relates to the Blue Jays as well. Um, Kelly, you are a survivor of the Cubs rebuilding process. I, I know. <laughs> I know I'm taking you back to the dark days, but Blue, <laughs> Blue Jays fans have been staring at this team for the past year and a half, and that debate has come up. Like, do we follow the Cubs and the Astros? Just blow the team up, wait for Vlad Jr. to come up, a- and try and build around that. Um do you have any any words of wisdom or or words of solace for Blue Jays fans who might be staring at a similar rebuild coming very soon? I would say trust um trust your front office. I uh, I think the thing that made the
1: Cubs rebuild work and didn't make fans feel like they were watching a tanking team with no hope for the future was the fact that the front office was always very upfront with what they were doing, why they were doing it, who they were bringing in. I mean, literally constant email updates to fans, things like that, um, that really made people understand the process and trust the process. Um, and in addition to that, for the record, I think it's important to note that the Cubs absolutely uh, made a lot of progress via drafting and via the years that they did not spend, that they spent intentionally not competing um, But the Cubs have also been very, very aggressive, uh, especially since Theo has come, uh, about pursuing free agents and about spending big money on free agent contracts that really supplement the young core. Um, and I think that's something other teams need to keep in mind, because it's not just tanking and it can't just be, you know, losing to eventually win. But you do have to be willing to make aggressive moves and to invest where it makes sense to invest. I mean, if you look at the past couple of years, the Cubs have given out obviously, some of the largest free agent contracts around. Yeah. Um, so that's something that, that also has to be considered when you're looking into a rebuild or you're looking into something like that. You have to be willing to, to supplement that and spend the money uh, that's going to help you build around the pieces that you're able to get uh, and to start having at a younger age. Mm.
0: Well, hopefully by the time the Blue Jays are ready to contend again, Troy Tulowitzki's contract will finally be off the books. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a lot of belief in the Blue Jays. And I think I think a Cubs model or, you know, the sort of Astros model could definitely work uh, to turn them into a contending team, because, again, they're in a tough division. Uh, you really need, do need to put in a lot of work in the process to really bring them up to that level. But I think it's absolutely doable. And I, I'm very interested to see what happens with the Blue Jays in the next couple of years.
0: As are we all. Kelly Wallace, thank you so much for joining me today this has been an absolute treat can you tell the fine folks where they can where they can find your work not that we haven't exposed on it enough as it is but they (laughs) just just remind them where they can find you
1: sure um well you can most of my work is uh me being silly on twitter so you can follow me at kelly a wallace um but uh, i also contribute uh like that was mentioned on Locked on Cubs. You can find a whole lot of my stuff there. But going forward, you will find all of the work on Expanded Roster, um, which you can follow at Expanded Roster on Twitter, at Expanded Roster on Instagram. And we will keep you updated. And you can expect the launch for the website before the end of the summer.
0: Awesome. And definitely follow Kelly on Twitter. She is a great person to watch for <laughs> for takes. So... I, I heartily endorse her. (laughs) If you want to follow me at the same time, I'm nowhere near as funny, but I'm also there. So you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. You can follow this podcast at LockedOnJays. And also check out jaysfromthecouch.com, just because that site is awesome and my written stuff still appears there from time to time when I actually have the energy to write. (laughs) So I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping I will have more energy to write. I'm I'm looking at, at having something come out by the end of the week. Depends on how work goes. But again, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and, and joining and, and hopefully we get to talk again in the future. Absolutely. I had a great time. I'd love to come back on. I you have an open open door, open window, whatever opening you can use to get inside. <laughs> you you have it. So <laughs> again thank you awesome well thank you so much for talking to me thank you for coming on kelly so for kelly wallace i'm ryan andrews thank you so much for listening to this episode of locked on blue jays and y'all take care